Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, hello. Welcome to Hardcore Listening with Chris and Stu. Chris doing the intro this week. How are we all? Good, nearly Christmas. Are you a Grinch or are you looking forward to that? I am massively looking forward to it. Well, let's get straight into it. Uh, today's guest is someone we were really looking forward to having on ever since Stu booked him. It's Nick Hawks from, well, from a few things really. Co-founder of XL Records and still Mr. Howlett's manager. And if you haven't heard Pip's um, podcast with Liam Howlett, I really recommend you go and do that over on Distraction Pieces. Nick also set up Positiva. And what's crazy is when I was like too young to get in clubs, we were caught up in everything our older um, brothers and sisters were listening to. My wall was covered in every flyer known to man that we could get our hands on. And had a set of cam belt-driven turntables and was buying lots of records. And one of the um, record labels that was gathering up a lot of space while I was finding my feet with music and figuring out what I liked was Positiva. Jesus, they released a lot. Brain Bud, Bucketheads, Amos, Real to Real, um, what was it, Night Train, BBE, Barbara Tucker. I think they did... Even Adam F, Circles, Drum and Bass. But that could be pure guesswork on my behalf. Um, but I'm pretty certain they also did Shy FX, Shake Your Body, which I remember having a little bet with my um, local record store DJ because I thought it was going to chart. And he was like, shut up, mate. It's a drum and bass record. And it did chart. So I felt pretty good that day. Um, yes, yeah, so and Nick... He's got a fantastic story. He kind of is a guy who just got stuck in. And you're going to find out that even at a young age, while studying at Goldsmiths, that guy wasn't um, hanging about when it comes to experiencing life and following his passions. Something that, you know, we always suggest our listeners do, especially if they're sort of like starting out their careers. And Nick's massively inspirational dude. So I ain't going to hang about this is a great episode. Nick um, was a great guest, really just a nice chap and um, willing to just get stuck in and tell us his story. Shout outs to our sponsors, Love Beer. Charles, you wrecked me on the drunk cast, mate. I was so ill the next day. I thought I had like alcohol poisoning. And um, and also our other, our other sponsor, um, Luke and Iron Boom Creative, a fantastic media company. 
So there we have it. Uh, shout out to the rest of the Distraction Pieces uh, crew also. I'll catch you on the flip side. Enjoy. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Hello, hello, Stuart Whiffen. Hello, uh, Aiden. <sighs> Hungover. Yeah. yeah, we had the, the drunk cast recording last night around Pips, yeah. and it was a little messy. Yeah. Uh, uh, I feel like I woke up and I felt like I poisoned myself today. Oh. That's how bad it is. And just as you get older, it just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? I got up this morning and um, my nephew had dropped a key through the front door key through the decking in my garden. <laughs> so I was woke up by my wife at about seven o'clock this morning um, saying she'd charge the drill. Can I take up the decking and retrieve a key? <laughs> Don't want to be doing that when Jesus. you're hungover. It was uh, it was cold and wet, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I was uh, messing around with, with. As you know, I am not the kind of guy that's good with DIY and stuff like that. No. But uh, a, few, a few swear words probably cracked out. Yeah, there was know. a few of them. Um, my, my breakfast was a KFC. That's how low I. <laughs> <laughs> that's how low I steeped this morning. I had to get a tire replaced, and uh, you know, do that manly thing. It was followed up with a tragic appointment in KFC, basically. So. Okay, well, let's get on with the podcast yeah, and let's introduce our guest this evening. I will um, let you introduce today, mate. Okay, it's Nick Hawks. Oh, hello. How are you doing? Good. Apart from being a little bit hungover, I suppose. Oh, I'm all right, I'm all right. Like You're okay. for yeah. the first two minutes of the podcast. <laughs> That's Nick. all right. That's all. I had a big night out last night as well, actually, but not, not a drunken one, but yeah. I was in Amsterdam yesterday evening, so I've actually just come straight from uh, Gatwick. Can we, can we find out why you was in Amsterdam? Yeah, yeah, Prodigy Gig at oh, wow. Sigodome last night. So it was the last night of their European tour. Okay. Um, and it was it was excellent. Oh. Yeah, it was great stuff. That's so, you know, there's been a UK tour and then and then the, the yeah. sort of mainland Europe dates. So, so for so listeners, you, mm. you manage I mani- Liam? Yeah, I manage Liam, yeah. yeah. So spend a lot lot of time on, on Prodigy Prodigy stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, and obviously a lot of work this year has gone into the, the new record, which came out in... Yep. Uh, November and went went to number one. So solid, solid album. Is Decent. A lot enjoying the music videos as well. Oh, the videos are great, yeah, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. I thought the album was great, and and what I liked about it was, and 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 it was it kind of confirmed it when Liam was on Pip's podcast, which yes. which is a great listen, yeah. and uh, and it was it's got that kind of aggressive beat, big sound mm-hmm. that the Prodigy obviously, uh, you know famous for kind yeah. of you know yeah. fact that and onwards for that big sort of yeah. sound if you know what I'm trying to say but so many of the little sounds and that go back to 88 89 and it's just got them like kind of really old rave sounds mm-hmm. and that used in and around it like yeah. Do you, do you get that from I, it? Yeah, I do. I mean, I just think it crystallises uh, possibly all of the all of the the best aspects of of the prodigy yeah. on that record. You know, it's new. It's it's got freshness to it, but it's it's got um, nods to the to the history. Yeah, it's just a great record, isn't it? And uh, and ultimately, you know, that is you know obviously been working with artists and running record labels and all of that for many years. And um, yeah, at the, at the at the heart of it, if you can make if artists can make great records and put them out, hopefully some good stuff will follow. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's certainly been the case with with the Prodigy. 
Okay, well, thanks so much for literally flying from there and, yeah, and coming back right, to no, see, no, see our little little selves. Yeah, um, no, no, it's good to be here. Thanks for the invite. So, well, should we jump into it and see what? Well, the yeah, top you know, we want to sort of throughout the podcast, we'll, we'll, we'll get on to the top five and in and around that, we'd like yeah. to sort of yeah. talk about, you know, you some of the work you've done with, with labels sure. and, and obviously want, we want to talk about your podcast Trailblazers yeah, yeah, with, yeah, which I'm enjoying with a I mutual friend Eddie Temple Morris yeah, so we'll yeah get that's, that's yeah for sure I'd like to talk about that because that's been one of, that's been one of the, the most fun things that's that's come through this year the, doing the, the Trailblazers podcast with Eddie because I mean it's a bit like you guys here um, you know you, you're doing something you, that's uh, that is entertaining that you can learn from um, and you're you're having a. It's funnily enough, this is a three-way conversation, of mm. course, as is Trailblazers yeah. always. And there's something really cool about three-way conversations Definitely. that I find more interesting to listen to than a one-on-one yeah. -on -one interview. It's just the way that things can sort of spin off, and yeah. somebody can go, "Oh, that's funny. You should say yeah. that because this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. have you? No, I that. And I just think that's that's a really cool thing. So it's a little, yeah. Our our, our podcast for sure, you know, aims to be. You know, sort of, um, it's it's a, a conversation. It's a bit like a dinner table conversation. And and the thing that I enjoy so much about it is, of course, whether it was a, a recorded and a podcast or not, who wouldn't enjoy sitting discussing music with people like Gary Newman and Goldie and Fatboy Slim and Paul Oakenfold? I mean, it's of course that's going to be enjoyable. That's yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, uh, we, well, we, 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 we talk a bit more at length yeah, throughout sure. the duration of this podcast about Trailblazers because there's some episodes sure. and, and and some of the people that you've mentioned there. That there's other ones that I'd like to talk about that were personal favourites for yeah. for me. Um, but should we find out what what, yeah, what, um, what Nick's top five is? Yes. Well, I thought I'd do a, a top five of of sort of of my favourite club nights. Um, so I've just picked five. Nights or, or sort of eras, if you like, um, and uh, yeah, I suppose each of them kind of represent maybe a slightly different phase of my life, or or being in a, a different country or whatever uh, to some extent. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose my life has been, you know, my my sort of journey through music has been has been. It's been interesting because there's there's been always been dance and electronic music playing a, a an important part in my life since I was about probably thirteen or so. Um, what was it that sort of like got you into it? It's funny. I, I when I do little talks at unis and things like that, I get invited to to do talks sometimes in, in various different places. And one of the things that I say is that. It's funny like, being involved in the music industry because I feel that a lot of people who end up in bands or working in the industry, we don't really choose it. It's almost like it chooses us. Mm. I don't know why music grabbed me. And, and interestingly, you know, black American music grabbed me in the 80s. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of... Uh, me and my best mate Andy Smith, um, who um, we grew up in Porter's Head in the southwest of England and went to the same school as Jeff Barrow, mm -hmm. and, and obviously Andy ended up, you know, sort of sourcing samples for Porter's Head and DJing with him on tour and doing the document mix album, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and, and we work together today. We're great friends, and we, we run a club night together, which we might, which we'll probably talk about later. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're both kids, you know, 12 years old 
ish, maybe 13, and we just on, you know, kind of tripped across Radio 1 and a show called Discovating, which was on a Saturday night, and this DJ called Al Matthews was, was uh, playing records like Love Injection by True Cell, um, Above and Beyond by Edgar Winter, just funky dance records of the time. And it is odd because we hadn't really, we didn't particularly know these kind of records that sure. that well. We so when, when was this? What year was this roughly? Okay, mean? yeah, so that would have been 70... Nine. So was this pre the kind of gold mine scene and the Chris Hill kind of, or was this round about that time? I think it was probably round about that time. Yeah, that that yeah. I think late. That, I think that thing was going on in Essex, yeah, probably yeah. in the late seventies um, and into the eighties. Um, and um, but you know we were just we were kids. But it was funny, and of course sometimes as as school friends you you could hear music and maybe one would go oh this is cool and the other one will go no it's not mm. but in this case funny enough both of us just went yeah it's, it's good this isn't it and yeah it is <laughs> and we were both then hooked into dance music at a point where no other white you know sort of or very few kind of white 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds sure. growing up in a... Porter's Head then was like a, it was like a dormitory town outside Bristol with maybe at that point 12,500 people living yeah. there. You know, it was odd to be for us to be into essentially funk, disco, yeah. Yeah. because, you know, our mates were, would have been into heavy metal yeah. or maybe, you know, the police or, yeah. or, uh, or whatever. Um, but yeah, we so we like even to the point of, of some extent, sort of hiding the fact that we were into this music. So sometimes we'd go to specialist record stores and you know buy some cheap you know twelve inch imports or whatever, and and our, we'd meet school friends on the bus home. They'd be oh, what did you buy? Well, oh, just some cheap stuff. I'm not really sure. I just thought, <laughs> you know, kind of almost making excuses yeah. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. it because we, it was a marginal thing. It wasn't yeah. hip. It was and it wasn't something that like if we'd said oh we're gonna you know, we went to see a lot of gigs as we were growing up. Level 42, Curtis Blow, Light of the World, these kind of artists. And like, but none of our mate, none of our mates really would have wanted yeah. to go and see them. So you, you had to kind of just, it was a bit weird. But, yeah. but then, of course, dance music did end up sweeping into the mainstream. Yeah. Because maybe geographically makes a big difference. Maybe if we'd have been growing up in Essex or Kent or South London, yeah. our older brothers would have been yeah. doing the whole... Um, you know, week at Caster scene, yeah. and then it's maybe just part of the fabric yeah. of, but not for, not where we grew up. Yeah, yeah. to keep it under your hat a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, that was the entry point. Well, so go, it's a, a top five. I was rubbing my hands together. Yes. and I'm really interested to see what you've what you've yeah. got. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, shall I just fire away yeah, then? So are they in, are they yeah. in an order, Nick? Are like they are in chronological order. Yes. Oh, chronological. chronological. Uh, nice. Yeah. That's the yeah. first. Chronological. Yeah, right. definitely. Which is what? Here. Yeah, yeah. Like which is what we do on Trailblazers. Yep. Funnily mm. enough, we just like to start at the at the beginning, yeah. <laughs> work our way through to to the present day, and then yeah. into the future. And I uh, I'm quite a sort of logical person, um, which is something that we were recording uh, an episode of Trailblazers, which at the at the time we're recording this. It hasn't gone out yet, but it's quite funny. Eddie asked me a question about, oh, when did something something? And and whilst he was asking the question, I didn't even realise I was doing it, but I sort of drew two arrows <laughs> on a bit of paper and circled it or whatever. It was me kind of, you know, almost like, right, how do I kind of get clarity 
and, and from this sort of question. Because, of course, I think that's sort of one of the things that I do in my job as an artist manager. People ask me questions that are sometimes complex. How do we do this? How can we achieve that? We want to do this. What should we do? And then it's my job to try and sort of like summarise, right, well, point A yeah. and then point B. And then if point B happened, then we'll do point C. Is, and is that, does that sound like a plan? And then these artists who I'm dealing with, you know, um, oh, okay, right, I get that. I hit, you know, whereas often with artists and creative people, you, you have a conversation with somebody. And like if, you, if we use A to Z and as, as an example, somebody will come in and maybe say, oh, Nick, might you be interested in managing me? And then they'll go, I want to do A, and then I want to do F. Yeah. And I'm really interested in Y, yeah. but then there's K, yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, 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 okay, you know, I get it. You, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that you're trying to do here, but then it's maybe my job to go, right, how about we focus on the first phase yeah. and let's just get that locked. And Creatives and having that sort of like lateral thinking mind yeah. of bringing up all these ideas and you have got a way of making that into a linear plan. Yeah, basically. that's right. You know, I think so. Or just providing yeah. a little bit yeah. more of a structure, <laughs> perhaps yeah. in some cases, to somebody who, who might be like, boom, 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 a bit, you know, um, with, with lots of different ideas sort of firing off. So anyway, back to the list. I mean, funnily enough, my first club night that I've picked out um, uh, is... Uh, in ni 1987, so I've, I kind of didn't pick anything actually from my sort of Portishead, Bristol um, kind of growing up phase, um, which I could have done because um, obviously I, I started going out there to, to club nights um, and, you know, in my teens but it was difficult because you know we didn't live in the city and so you know and parents wanted you to be back wanted me back by a certain time and you know it was it was, it was you know had its little had its struggles um uh, but of course we you know i did embrace all of that and then i moved up to london to go to uni and then started running clubs and all this kind of stuff but i just it, it's very difficult i probably could have done you a top 10 or a yeah. top 20 but that i kind of started off with Paradise Garage right. in New York, um, summer of, of 1987. Um, and I kind of picked that because that summer was a um, really a absolutely pivotal one for me in terms of me figuring out kind of what I might do later in life and kind of um, figure, you know, figuring out that it might be possible to work in, in, in records or in radio and and sort of have a career there. Um, and it was very exciting because I, I basically blagged uh, my way in to WBLS as an intern in New York, so kind of leading New York black music station. And in the summer of 87, I was uh, between my second and third year of uni. I was at Goldsmiths College doing sociology and communications. Um, and I just I got a work permit to be in America that summer. And <clears throat> normally you get the work permit and you're doing like working on the kids' camps, you know, yeah. to tennis or whatever, teaching kids to crafts and all that stuff. And I thought that's not for me. So I got myself a job um, as a um, cinema usher in New York. And then um, I wanted to... Um, Sort of, uh, bless you, mate. Bless Thank you. you. Um, I wanted to kind of just see if I could get involved somehow in radio or records, and so I came up with this 
plan. I thought, I know what we'll do. I'm going to phone up the head of WBLS and ask if I can interview him. And I'll say I'm writing an article on, um, on New York radio and I'll see if, I don't know, it's worth a go. Yeah, Called up, um, just said that to the, to the assistant of the MD. And then 10 minutes later, the phone went, yes, you know, spoke to the boss. He'd be delighted to be interviewed tomorrow morning. Okay, if you want to come in, right, okay, fine. And then I was like, whoa, what? You know, I didn't expect, <laughs> it, to, it, up didn't, didn't expect it to work. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, damn, shit, I've got to find some questions yeah. now from somewhere out. God, I don't know what to do. So then scrambled a load of questions together, went in, did the interview with the guy, uh, and then was kind of um, uh, sort of shown around the station and then got to meet the people at the, in the programming department. And then um, kind of sp that afternoon, I said, hey, if you need any help or whatever, I'm around. And the lady who ran the programming department said, yeah, well, why don't you file these records and, and call these record stores because we compile a chart every day. Um, and um, uh, kindly, I did all that. And at the end of the day, I said, oh, wow, thank you for letting me help out here. You know, that's really great. You know, appreciate it. And she said, okay, so same time tomorrow morning then, 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. I mean, like, and I said, what? You, I mean, if you if you want me to help out again, yeah, I, sure. And she goes, yeah, you're our new intern. So that was how I got hired, essentially, to be an intern at WBLS, just through right. the, through that. And then, so then, so the pivotal. So that for that summer, I'm going into WBLS radio every day. Marley Marl is there doing his lunch, no doing, his, doing his lunchtime mix, yeah. and I'm like the guy who's like, yes, Marley, I'm going down the shops. Do you want me to get any sandwiches, sodas? Yeah, Nick, get me a you know diet, get me a Pepsi, whatever, and you know, and all of this, and I'll come back with the you know doing the sort of things that an intern yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or or an, you know a junior helper would do. And um, I went I went to Marley's house actually. That's something. So I got to know him, you know, so I didn't, you know, not as mates, whatever, but, but you know, because I was seeing him, reg you know, around the office yeah. helping out. And uh, so he's like, yeah, you can, yeah, come around, man. Had you been DJing by that point yourself? Yeah, mm. so that's right. I mean, I had a little mobile disco that yeah. I ran with my mate Andy Smith. Yeah. Um, and then I'd also done uh, a summer in Mallorca in the summer of 86. I DJed at Tokyo Joe's in Magaluf. Um, and I did 87 nights in a row that summer, never without a night off. That's pretty full on, right? That was pretty full on. And it was like, you know, pr probably started about 10.30 at night, finished about 6 a.m. So the big records of the night were getting played three times, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, in the night. So you're doing really long sets as well. Yeah, right? yeah, really yeah. Yeah. yeah, real graft, um, but loved it, you know. Um, so, yes, I, I was DJing and, and then also, you know, doing some bits at uni, you know, events. Funnily enough, if you've... Did you hear the Fat Boy Slim uh, Trailblazers yeah. episode. So yeah, that did you did you remember that bit where I mentioned that it was me that was warming up for the House Martins at Goldsmiths yep. the yep. night that Norman right. Cook basically depped and turned and they were like shit. We haven't, right. we haven't got uh, whatever anymore. Yeah. And he was like, okay, well I know some of the songs. And then he joined the House Martins that night. And I was right. doing I was like the warm up DJ at uni that night. Funnily enough, so I told him that story. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I was DJing, that's right. And uh, But I was at uni, I was in full-time education. But yes, yeah, so, so basically New York, uh, so, so I've got my Cinema Russia thing going on, I've got my WBLS um, thing that I'm doing in the daytime. I had um, this 
another pivotal moment there in when I got invited to the, the, the world premiere of Bad, the first time in the world that Michael Jackson's Bad album got played. Wow. Yeah, and that happened because I was at BLS, so I was the kid in the inter, you know, kind of whatever, and, and the guy from Epic came along and said, okay, guys, new Michael Jackson playback party, you know, coming up, who wants to go? And I was in the office, and, and, and I was just like, whoa, God, well, uh, sort of like Unreal. sheepishly put my hand up, like, uh, you know, kind of cautiously not knowing whether this was something that I was allowed, even allowed yeah. to do. And he goes, ah, you're a good kid, yeah, you can come, you know. And so, yeah, it went to the thing, and there was caviar and champagne, all sorts of stuff. And me, you know, and I was a uni kid from, from London. Um, in amongst all, like the head of Tower Records and the editor of Billboard and all of this business. And this is why this summer was so pivotal to me because like at that moment, I'm like, whoa, this is, uh, you know, amazing. I shouldn't be here, but I am. And um, I felt that, that at that point, well, because, you know, I shouldn't really be here, but I am. So maybe there's other things that are unlikely. There, yeah. un there are other things that are unlikely to happen, like getting a job in the music industry or maybe signing a hit record or finding an act or, or whatever or having a hit um but uh you know well it's unlikely that i'm here but i am on mega yacht listening to the new jacko record so maybe that can happen and so yeah this whole summer had a big imp impact on me and uh, and and I, I was lucky enough to go to the paradise garage um uh, a couple of weeks before it closed down um who was who was DJing? Well, Larry Levan was really? DJing. Now, the interest and a guy called David DePino. Mm -hmm. David DePino was really good. The interesting thing about Larry Levan is is that I have to shatter a bit of a myth <laughs> because because everybody says, God, you saw Larry Levan play at the Paradise Girl. Man, it must have been amazing. He must have been sober. You know what? He was pretty off his face. So, so you know, there was a few clank, galloping horses. There was a few yeah. clank jank mixes, and there was there was a point where one record was just going. No way. Like that for yeah. quite a while until I think somebody gave Larry a shake. Who by up. that point was probably <laughs> prostrate under the under the decks, and he, I think he got up and right, fuck, I need to put another record on. Wow. So a bit a bit of a mess. Um, but then again, the night was, you know, was kind of incredible, even though that was, like, yeah. kind of whack, in yeah, a way. Yeah. And the, the, the David DePino guy was, was really cool. Um, and, and the general vibe of the place and the general sort of flavour of it was very exciting. I, there was a Scottish guy, actually, that I, I got to know um, sort of via the Black Market Records uh, guys that were out there and uh and he was he was the guy who said oh i'm going down to paradise garage on whatever friday night and uh and i was chatting to him i was like oh that could be he's like yeah come along if you want and he goes but i gotta tell you three things Scottish guy, i gotta tell you three things firstly it's very black and i'm like okay you know secondly it's very gay <laughs> and i'm thinking right and thirdly, it's very druggy. <laughs> and I'm like, straight kid, white kid, somebody who hasn't ever done any drugs. I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, okay, well, ooh, uh, yeah. And then I basically think, but I've heard that this place is, is cool. I know what I'm going to do. I've got the opportunity to go down with somebody. I'm going to go down. And even if, 
like I get in and go, whoa, this is just like not for me, yeah, you know. Too much I, I can then I'll I can just go there for five ten minutes and then I'll just like at least I've had a look and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, oh, cool it, you know it was it was fine and and I stayed there till I don't know seven seven thirty in the morning you know and uh, yeah and it was uh, I was lucky I was lucky I'm lucky to have been I didn't realise that the Paradise Garage would turn into one of the most legendary clubs mm, in yeah. the world because it's hard to know that at the time because. You know, you don't really know for it's sure. It's looking back, isn't it, when we have perspective to go, oh, that was a that, mega thing. Yes. That was a great period for and music. Correct, correct. So you never quite know. I mean, I think you can appreciate that that you're in a special moment um, when you're in it. Mm-hmm. Um but you pro- but you don't have a full understanding of the historical context yeah. until later. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I, I mean yeah, historically I'm really pleased that I went, and and that summer was was great. And then I that's right, I kind of I stopped working at BLS. I travelled around uh, on a Greyhound bus pretty much from New York to LA, down all the way around. I actually got a bit of a DJing job in Colorado. This is on your own? Yes, in so Grand, Grand Junction in Colorado. I blagged a DJing gig at Bugsy Malone's. And, you, you know, and uh, used to sort of like, uh, you know, you had to play certain country records there, and you know, and I'm like, you know, this is something I'm not used to. Mm. But, um, and that was with, I, I stayed uh, with a mate of mine called Tim, well, he's a mate of mine, yeah, even though I haven't seen him for 20 plus years, I consider him a, a pretty good mate. Uh, he lives down in Australia now, but a guy called Tim Daly, and I met him um, in New York, um, and we went to, yeah, you know what, I must have met him that summer. I must have met him earlier in that summer, because we went to a party in, in Harlem, um, a sort of, co- I think it was a combined Tommy Boy and Def Jam party wow. at uh, Sylvia's restaurant in Harlem. And I remember, and Harlem was pretty, pretty dodgy in those days. And I remember at that party, I'd never, some guy um, was like, yo, you know, you need, a, you need a ride somewhere afterwards. Like, big kind of dude, tracksuit, big black guy. I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. He's like, oh, yeah, man, if you need a ride, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll drive you wherever you need to go. And he showed me, like, a gun, tu- piece, a yeah. gun tucked into the, to the top of his tracksuit bombs. We ain't got any, you anything to worry about, man, you know, check it out. Nobody's going to sort of, you know, bother you. <laughs> like, right, <laughs> been invited to get into a car with a guy, an arm, yeah. with, an ar- with a guy who's got a revolver tucked into his tracksuit bottoms I think I might get a cab yeah yeah like okay you know so and then and I think what I did was we ended up me Tim and a guy called Bill Stephanie who did press for Def Jam worked on the on on Public Enemy and all the rest of it wow Um, yeah and I think we all all rolled rolled uh, back uh, in the end from that so so I ended up staying at Tim's house in uh, Colorado and uh, and I was only going to visit him for a couple of days actually Um, but then that expanded out into us ended up staying there for maybe like three and a half weeks or something and and then I got this DJ job and was working it was was odd but um but yeah it was a great summer man and you know I'd kind of I probably was you know I sort of threw myself into certain situations like that and then just came back obviously then entering my third year of uni with like this sort of that's a crazy story to tell Nick rich experience not a lot of students really 
go that far and, and take those sort of risks. And I, I was you was you fearless then as, as a young man, or um, was you just sort of excited to to be doing what you was doing? Uh, I I, I can't, I'm sh no, I wasn't fearless. I would think that it was. I mean, you know, when you're when you are young, you probably don't think through some no. of the risks that you might think yeah. through when you're a bit older. So there might have been an element of that. Um, but I was lucky because um, I, you know, my my dad actually had uh, a very sort of outgoing nature and he would be the sort of, he's passed away quite a few years ago, but he would be somebody who would, you know, get chatting to anybody and be interested in their story. Yeah. Um, and he also sort of was, you know, kind of, um, kind of set up these sort of family holidays where even though I was, I was maybe like 14, 15, we were pretty much backpacking mm. around the Greek islands and sort of with loads of students and, you know, and ending up you know, sort of trying to find accommodation in yeah. some crowded Greek island but not being able to find a room and sleeping on the floor of the of the bar or whatever, which was a bit odd for a for a sort of fourteen, fifteen year old family holiday. So I think I probably got that sense of of adventure, of, of adventure maybe. In, was he encouraging you going off and, and travelling and, and finding your way? Uh, yeah, I think to some extent, yeah. Although he didn't really get... I didn't have the, the benefit of a, of a sort of musical family. So yeah. often people that I've managed, you know, through the years, they do these interviews, like Casper, the dub, dubstep dude, yeah. who I managed for some years, he would do an interview, you know, and he'd go, yeah, when I was young, there was always records in the family. My dad was an avid record collector, so, you know, as I was growing up, there was these cool, da-da-da-da-da. And I've actually, I feel like a bit jealous of somebody like that who's had that. I had the exact same, yeah. You, I'm, I'm you, exactly yeah, the same. Not, not no, a lot of music. Not a lot of music no. in, in any of our, right. And, and we've all spent our lives as DJs, yes. bands, and yes. promoters. And it's like, and, it, and it's strange because with, with the other podcast that are the Off The Beat and Track podcast yeah. where one of the first questions I ask is what's their music on at home when mm. you was growing up and when you get these people saying oh yeah like you know my dad loved The Who and yes. you know and he was listening to like Hendrix and, and stuff like that and it was like and my mum was listening to like you know Janis Joplin and stuff like that and you just think wow I'd love to have been exposed yeah. to yeah, that yeah, as a kid but, but like literally there was like a Rod Stewart album and a Brother yeah. of the Man album yeah. floating around <laughs> in my ass yeah and, yeah, yeah exactly uh, but you know what? what what's good is that, that you know we, we find our own way and maybe yeah. maybe that makes us even keener mm. when we feel the magic of music to 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 dive in the yeah. discovery yeah the discovery yeah. yeah and I mean I definitely you know I got a bug for for DJ culture mm. and all of that I mean to the extent that you know I when I applied for unis I only applied for London based unis I just wanted to be in London because mm. that's where the clubs were that's where the rec the cool record stores were that's where the record labels were based radio stations etc I just wanted to be in amongst the action, really. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I suppose when you look back on it, I, I, you know, I, I probably was fortunate that generally things kind of worked out positively. Of course, if, I'd, if that summer what had happened was I'd, I'd got mugged by a crazed dude with a bloody... with a, with a revolver in his tracksuit but yeah. you know and then I Did went and then I went to Colorado and then I broke my leg and whatever then maybe I'd I'd be maybe I'd be a different person I'd be like you know a bit more but it, 
a bit more relaxed, a bit more, what's the word for it, a bit less. You were risk averse. You yeah, yeah, risk -averse, but, but yeah. things kind of fell into yeah. place and yeah, that, that helps. And so when I look at, you know, the, the labels that you've worked at and, and the, and the mm. time and you, you, you talk so fondly about the summer of 87, I'm surprised it that a big focus wouldn't have been the summer of 88. Well, that's my next one. Right, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought that, you know, that's got to have some bearing on the yeah, story yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Well, this is interesting because you don't know my list, do you? So, no. uh, so, so there's a sense of right. discovery. So basically, summer of 88, uh, I, I was in. I found myself in Ibiza. It's a good place to be in 1988, right? So New York the year before. <laughs> yes. Ibiza now. Yeah, yep. that's right. So basically, I finished uni um, in... June or whatever of 88 and I'd picked up the vibe uh, that you know so by the summer the, the, you know the early summer of, of 88 things hadn't completely exploded actually mm -hmm. um, so shum was was happening um, and I, I didn't go to Shum, uh, never made it there, unfortunately. But there was an ex, you know, there was stuff that was coming through and, and, and was exciting. And I was aware that Ibiza had a bit of a sizzle about it, but it had, remember though, like it, the, the story hadn't been told. Yeah. Really, you know, this whole story of, of, of Oakenfold and all of that in the summer yeah. of 87 in Ibiza, that wasn't really a widely you know known thing but i just thought ibiza is a good place to be so uh yeah so i went to ibiza as soon as uni finished and i got myself job djing in a beach bar so just to interject yes. there so did you sure. go there for right i'm going to go and have a week there and see where this goes so i'm taking my records and i'm going to go and i'm going to spend some time out there the latter yes i thought this is a good place you for me committed. to a good place for me to spend the summer so yes i had packed a rucksack full of vinyl um and yeah you know just kind of got there and tried to find a, a dj gig which i found quite quickly at a beach bar in playa Bossa. um i actually think i was walking along the beach and i think it, there was a board out chalkboard that that said dj required actually i walked past it and thought, God, well, and then I walked in and went, I'm a DJ. And they said, okay, you're on tonight, you know. You know, have you got your records? I'm like, yeah, back in the, you know, sort of, you know, wherever ever it was, the place I was staying. And go on then, you go on there tonight. So, um, so that, that, then I got my, got my DJ gig in the, in the evenings. Um, and and that, what was she playing? Oh, so there, I suppose, uh, that was, um... Yeah, I think that was fairly across the board. It wasn't the coolest spot. It was a. It wasn't like a, a super hip. Yeah. So I suppose I'd have been playing, like club music of the day, um, and then probably some pop music of the day and yeah. some soul funk of the day, and yeah, that just not 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 a particularly yeah. thrilling soundtrack. It, just like a bunch of. Whatever. Um, yes, and then, uh, but then what got really interesting was I, uh, so I bought a moped. Well, I arranged to buy him. I knew I was going to be there for the summer, so I sort of like bought it and then I arranged that I'd sell it back yeah. to the, to the, you know, the people at the end of the summer. So I had, so then I was sort of pottering around on my moped in the evening and I went to um, Amnesia. Um, and of course, Amnesia was open air in the summer yeah. of 88. 
and I was I sat uh, on the the sort of benches that they've got, and a girl next to me had a hand painted hand painted smiley T-shirt, and I was, and floods of people kept going up to oh where did you get your T-shirt oh your T-shirt is really cool and she's like oh I painted it myself whatever whatever I thought oh that's interesting so thought there is a little bit of an opportunity here so I got chatting to the guy Ulysses who ran like the sort of boutique in Amnesia and I said hey there's this sort of smiley thing that's kind of starting to kick off so in London there's a bit of a smiley thing in the clubs and then I explained to him there's a girl here and you know and they're asking where she got the shirt so I've got this idea I mean I wonder if we made some smiley t-shirts I don't know whether you might be interested in selling them and he said, oh, I think that's a good idea. And very kindly, he drove me like the next day to like a factory on Ibiza, in Ibiza and got the design sorted out, got some smiley T-shirts printed. And he was like, yeah, I'll take y- your first 20 or 25. Who did the designs? Me. Yeah. So basically, I had a copy of Bomb the Bass, Beat This. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that 12 Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was the smiley with the splat, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So I just had the 12-inch of that. I said, yeah, yeah. I just want this smiley, yeah. but without the splatty bit yeah. on the front. And then Ibiza Happy Happy on the back. Um, and uh, then I got my T-shirts printed up. Ulysses took the first lot and started selling them. And they sold really quickly. So then I developed this little kind of business, really, where I would, after finishing at m- the DJing at the beach bar every evening, I've probably finished about midnight, half midnight, one o'clock, I would then get on my moped with my rucksack with, like, stock T-shirts in the back, notepad, you know, kind of amnesia, 21 shirts sold, collected the money for 15, and, and then I would drive, you know, go to amnesia, coup, space had just opened at that point, they hadn't figured out, to, and it was virtually empty space, mm. though, um, and I'd just drive around replenishing the stock that had been sold and you know, and delivering in some new shirts. So, so I was a, so basically, yeah, that's my a fucking it's incredible. A great hustle, that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, those, so basically, of course, it got me into am into all these clubs generally, you know, for free because I was turning up. I'm like, the, oh, it's the guy, the t-shirt guy. Yeah. You know, risk um, free as well. <laughs> you wasn't like dealing drugs in there. It was just t-shirts. Yeah, that was getting, yeah, getting you through yeah, the door. That's right. So basically, I spent quite a bit of time in Amnesia in the summer of '88. So that's why that's my second pick. Same DJs every night. So Alfredo and Leo, mm-hmm. um, and quite a lot of the same records every night, and quite a lot of them in the same order every night. Mm. Um, so you sort of knew oh, it'll be this one. It's probably mm-hmm. going to be this next. Okay, now it's going to be this, <laughs> but. Did it matter? No, it didn't, you know, because because I, I, you know, again, you know, a bit like the Paradise Garage thing, I knew I was somewhere that was special, but I, again, I didn't particularly know that historically, wow, Amnesia, yeah. Summer of 88, yeah. that it would be viewed as, as you know, with, with such a status, if yeah. you like. Um, but, but, you know, I think a lot of, through my life, a lot of, I've had quite a lot of examples of, of being in the right, pli- like, right place at the right time. You say that, but then you seize the opportunities when they were there. Yeah. A lot of people wouldn't. A lot of people would not have seen that girl wearing that T-shirt and thought, oh, do you know what? Like, you know, well, that, that, also, it, that also requires um, knowing what's going on, yeah. you know, because other people will look at that and 
they won't realise the yeah. significance or the potential in it. Mm. And having drive yeah. and being entrepreneurial and like, yeah, you know. yeah, that's yeah. So I think I think you you know you, you're probably right. There's there's getting yourself into the right place at the right time, or there's there's getting yourself into a good place, but then. You know, do you, yeah, do you seize the opportunities yeah. that are there? Because, yeah. prob- well, the, you know, there, there will be, there might be many other people. Well, there was, there was many other other people that were that were working in the summer of 88 out in Ibiza. But, yeah, I just happened to be the one who was like, smiley t-shirts, this could be kind of interesting. Bloody hell. Um, yeah, so I did that. And then I uh, came back from... Uh, Let's think, I came back probably in about September, and then it was like September, October, you know, then it was, start, the smiley was starting to, I don't know when exactly it really got into sort of top shop and all of that, but certainly something big had happened between like end of May and, you know, that kind of September, October thing. I mean, I would have been 15, mm. and I remember... The the, the 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 you know the the, the smiley mileys were, were it, it was beat this definitely that sleeve I remember yeah, that yeah yeah and was it D-Mob we call it acid yes like mm-hmm. that like and I remember just sort of seeing that sort of stuff on top of the pops and then mm. and I think at that point the tabloids were getting hold of it as a dirty thing as well you know it yeah. was like they they were starting to kick against it and saying you know that, that, that I guess the warehouse rays were happening weren't they and they were I mean I went to some of those big parties uh, kind of post summer of 88 so something that almost made it into my list was I went to Sunrise at Santa Pod Raceway um, and that was the biggest kind of illegal rave and the first big illegal thing that I'd been to and I've been to what year was that that I believe was late 88 think it was I have to double check um, I think it was late 88 or was it was it the front half of 89 not sure but I, I remember that I went Nicky Holloway ran trip at yeah. the Astoria mm-hmm. at the time and uh, I had sort of got to know him a bit and um, but hadn't been to one of these events and Nicky said I'm going to sunrise afterwards I go wow that sounds good and you go no I'll give you a lift if you want like hadn't got tickets or anything like that but then we just you know got a lift with Nicky Holloway up there and we just sort of got in and then of course yeah I mean wow sort of massive whatever it was grain silo or something and 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 yeah again I'm like wow this is this is good can you remember who was playing that night oh I think that would have been gosh Maybe a bit of Eddie Richards, maybe maybe a bit of Fab and Groove. Don't really remember the specific DJs so much as the experience yeah, of yeah. just like, wow, this is exciting, man. Yeah. And so what, I was what, ma- what made it exciting? Oh, well, I suppose the fact... He sold 15,000 T-shirts. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so if only. I pulled if up I, with a truck. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. No, no, I, no, it wasn't that. I suppose it was just, you know, when you stump, when you, go, you just go to something and you think, wow, there's, yeah, there's an energy here, there's a movement, there's dynamism, and not everybody knows about this. No, that's it. But it's, you know, I think I'm very attracted to sort of 
it's going to sound really hippie-ish, but, you know, sort of positive, dynamic energy. So I like hanging out around with people who've got a, a good, positive mm. energy about them. And I like being in places, you know, it's probably almost where I feel most alive is where, I'm, where I find myself in something like that or, you know, the, the combination of things. Like if I can find myself outside of the UK somewhere and I'm, in, I'm somewhere that I've never been to before but there's a great club thing going on and it's and that's all very exciting you're somewhere different you're hearing new things you're meeting new people you're, you, you're experiencing something you know musically that's really cool and, and I get you know I get a tremendous buzz off 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 those occasions where, and I tell you, and something that I've done, and I was talking about this because uh, a, a guy that um, worked for me at Positiva launched a book recently, a guy called Chris Rodwell, and um, uh, I, and it's his book is a is is a sort of um, something like an entrepreneurial thing, like sack your boss, move away from the nine to five and do your own thing. What's the book called? It's called Sack Your Boss, yes. <laughs> um, and and I, was sat, I mentioned to him in conversation something that I do, which, le which connects with all of this. And I was saying, have you, I, was, I wonder, Chris, I was saying, have you heard about this book? What I do each year, and I've been doing this for maybe like about 10 or 12 years, I think, maybe like a bit of A4, and just when moments happen during the, the year where I feel alive, really feel alive, feel great to be alive, I just scribble down and circle on the bit of A4, you know, whatever, sort of bowling night with, you know, whoever and whoever, because we went out bowling, it was brilliant, whatever. Or in my case, it'll be, you know, Prague and, you know, whatever festival with a or whatever it might be, and you know, and I'll, I'll I'll just write these. I'll make a note of these these moments where I feel alive, and so on my kind of wall at my in my desk in my sort of record room at home, which I could work. I've got an office, um, um, and then I sometimes do some work from home, um, and then so on the wall, it's subliminally in my vision. It's like these all of these wicked things that have happened. So. Even so, when I'm working at like just on the computer or doing calls, somewhere subliminally, just in my peripheral vision, is like all this sort of cool shit where I've felt really alive, positive, and yeah. positive yeah. stuff. And I and I think it's there's something quite good about that because even though I'm not thinking about all of that stuff as I'm at my desk working, that somehow in it's your fair. brain it's going like, boomf, you know. And and of course you you know, and if you hit a bit of a low as we all do sometimes, it's all sometimes you just look and go, ah, oh, there's some some good shit there so um yeah yeah so sun sunrise was one of those and of course on these bits of paper i've got you know there's there's quite a few of them and if i keep doing this for a few more years hopefully there'll be a lot more but you know but i think art you know moving into the artist management area has given me a lot of you know it's you know it's opened up all sorts of opportunities to to, to have those moments where oh, you go, sure. this is... Like you were saying, well, you came back to see us from, you know, that's, a, that's just a, yeah, a, a that, experience. Yeah, I mean, that was great. Yeah. I mean, and some of them are, are, have been, you know, really unpredictable where music mm. and can get you to places that, that you just otherwise wouldn't go. For example, we touched on, on um, Casper. Um, so, so when I was managing Casper, we went to Kazakhstan, we went to America and Moscow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And so, you know, I, I found myself in a yurt, you know, sipping fermented horses milk one Sunday afternoon on the on the outskirts of Almaty, the capital of Kazakhstan, where Casper had played on the Saturday night. Like, how like how else would I have got in that scenario? Yeah. I wouldn't have gone on holiday yeah. to Kazakhstan, but. I got there because some promoters were like, Casper, do you want to come and DJ in Kazakhstan? And, yeah. and I managed Casper, who's like, well, sounds a bit weird, but if we can get me plus two, and so Gary, who you know, worked, Casper worked with on Dub Police, and myself, we all went, amazing. So that's, that would be one that, that goes on the, the bit of A4. You know? Fantastic. So, um, so we, we've, we've, had two, we've had two, haven't we? We're on we? number we three. We're on to, on mm. to three. This is where I think we move more into the rave era. Okay. So I picked Vision, which was um, the big uh, rave in, in Popham Airfield um, uh, in uh, probably about August, uh, maybe August, maybe September of 92. Right. <coughs> okay. And it was... Um, it was, you know, it was one of the big ones. Uh, we had, you know, all of the key prod, um, XL, X play, yeah. SL2, Liquid, Prod. And again, it, was, it wasn't that that particular night in its own right was so incredible. Because a little bit like the Paradise Garage night, there were, a, there were aspects to that rave that weren't ideal. It was raining, there was a bit of wind, yeah. you know, um, and I felt a, sense, felt a sense of responsibility. I remember one of the big tops was gusts of wind were coming in and it was lifting up one of the poles, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, God, I, you know, that's sort of clinging onto this, this sort of pole that's sort of flying around a bit, thinking, I hope we, you know, I hope that this all sort of stays together. Yeah. Um, but I suppose it was emblematic of that era of new, you know, breakbeat-driven excitement and energy and, and the rave explosion around that era was, you know, was in full force, of course. 92 was, you know, um, you know a, great, a great year. And it was a great year for music because, you know, aside from, from what was happening with, with dance music as well, there was, you know, the, 
grunge exploded at exactly the same time. You know, there yep. was, you know, Nirvana dropped in 92 and, yep. you know, Pearl Jam, Chili Peppers, that all happened at exactly the same time. And it was, for me as, as someone that was into that music and, and was DJing that music, there was crossover records that had happened by then in other genres like Amphrax Public Enemy and things like that that yeah. had, had bridged them barriers. But all of a sudden, like, this is, wind it up. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that was being played in indie clubs, yep. you know, mm -hmm. out of space, obviously. Yes. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. you know, it, that, it was, it was, everything was crossing over, oh, which was, was so exciting. And, and the speed with which you could go from an idea, you know, in your bedroom, like, let's just do this, to top of the pops, top ten, yeah. was was very fast. So, you know, when myself and Richard Russell made The Bouncer, which we put out yeah. under the name Kicks Like a Mule, <laughs> that, that record was probably made in, at a guess, was it made in about October 91, maybe November? Um, and then it was top 10 Feb by February of 92. That's ridiculous, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so, so, and that was the first record, really, first proper record that either of us had, had made. We had just, we were obviously in the thick of the, the, the rave explosion yeah. with all this success around us. And we were just like, actually, maybe we could have a, you know, we'd probably have a go at something, couldn't we? I wonder how that Push would turn buttons, out. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, that then made the record and... Yeah, and what I remember about that one is the. Do you remember? You will remember this, I reckon. Remember, the, like the sign of a really big hot record was when record stores put a sign up saying, "Don't fucking ask us anymore." No, we haven't got French Kiss yeah. or whatever it was, because <laughs> yeah, 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 there yeah. was so much demand that they just yeah. had to put a sign up. Yeah. You know, and, and I got refused French Kiss. It was like ain't now. Yeah. Sold out. <laughs> that was the first. That's the first and only time that ever happened to me. And it was. It was Little Louis. Well, I I got refused French French kiss Little Louis as well, but in a different manner. Right. Uh, so what the way that I that I got refused uh, French kiss Little Louis was I, I remember Justin Berkman played it on a at garage at Heaven on mm. a Friday night. We're gonna have Justin on soon. Oh, amazing! Yeah, we, 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 it was going to be just before Christmas. Good, but he's busy, so we're going to arrange for yeah next year. So well, great. he's you know I remember him telling me his vision for Ministry of Sound mm. on a plane back from New York that we both <laughs> happened to be on, and yeah. he explained, yeah, I've got this club idea, yeah. and I think I found this location for it, and so yeah, I remember remember amazing. hearing him explain to me the vision and and. You know, and all of that. Did it ever come to anything? <laughs> I was there on Friday night. I've got a record bag from like 90, yeah. whenever that says yes. No, it was actually doing good business. I was in ministry on Friday night, and it was doing good, good business. Um, and oh, French kiss, yes. So I, uh, Justin played it. Then the whole slow down, speed up thing. I'm like. I yeah. just thought, has he, is he just yeah, yeah. slowing the record down yeah. on, the, on the pitch control and speeding it up? Like, wow, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But I sprinted to the DJ booth to find out, and then he showed me the record. And then I wrote down the, the, the fo there was a phone number, on, it was on like Diamond Time, phone number on it, and then I called the phone number on the record. Uh, and uh, the, somebody answers the phone and goes, it's Louie. And I'm like, what? I'm like, is that little Louie? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all oh, right, okay, great. And I'm, I say, oh, Nick, Hawks, you know, run, I've kind of got this work for a label, City Beat, and heard the record, it's great. I 
wonder if I might be able to sign that, you know, for, yeah, yeah, it sounds good, man. Right, okay, so like, like would $1,500 be a good thing, you know, does that sound okay for the UK? Yeah, yeah, sounds sounds cool, man. Yeah, so just speak to my lawyer, you know, whatever gave me this lawyer's number. Hook it, hook it up, man. Sounds cool. Right, put the phone down. I go, wow, have I just have I just signed it? I think I have. But then the refusal bit came. Calling up the lawyer, trying, yeah, the lawyer. What's happening? What's happening? Three weeks later, no, you know, if we've had offers in excess of twenty thousand yeah. pounds, and that we we're looking for a, an advance of over over twenty grand, and yeah didn't happen um but uh, yeah we wow. digress how did we get into oh it was because little louie yeah we were talking about big records and signs yeah. going yeah, up yeah. And, so, and so yeah we, a couple of those signs went up saying no we haven't got to bounce so don't ask and then we're like yeah we know we've got a big record so that was that was that you know so that was a lot of fun so really in the thick of the excel thing and putting out those records and and then having Top ten success yeah. as an artist as well. On the same day, actually, it was the same day that Dream Frequency, who I'd also signed, do you know Dream did sort of like yeah. Northwest, yeah, kind of rave thing. Still good friends with Ian Bland, and they they had they them and Bounce both records came out the same week. And Dream Frequency I'd signed, and then Bounce was obviously like a record I made, and fortunately they both got on top of the pops on the same week. So I had a, an unusual situation of being on top of the pops where an act that I'd signed were, were on, having their big moment, but then also I, I was there as an artist the same week. Cracking. So I sort of flipped, you know, from did my thing and then flipped to their dressing room. All right, lads, yeah, everything's cool. That was, that was kind of cool. That's you had influence brilliant. on other records, I think. Um, Raggatip, didn't you like? Yeah, you yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, that's right, obviously. So, the, uh, that was a follow-up to the, you know, the, the, the first SL2 record. Um, and, yeah, so, uh, I mean, again, I see as Matt and John still see Slip Matt. He, you should get him on, man. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. To to, yeah. I'll, I'll link you guys up. Oh, mm. that'd be wicked. Yeah, yeah, okay. he's, he's a great bloke. And um, so that's right, on a Raggatip was one where, um, yeah, my little, one of my little stories on that is that that record didn't have a, a title until the death. It, you know, it was, like, it was like literally we're mastering the record, the 12 inches have got to go off, you know, the, the lacquers have got to go, and we need label copy or else we can't get test pressings done. And, it, and you know, and um, as Matt will, uh, when you have him on the show, hopefully you will. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, so we, we're literally sitting there at the exchange, and I'm saying, guys, we, do, we need a title. And they're like, yeah, but I don't know, I don't know what... And I, and I, I sort of went, yeah, like, it's, well... Let's think about this logically, you know, like the record sort of, it's on a, on a ragged tip kind of vibe, something like that. Yeah, well, yeah, that's all right. On a ragged tip? Yeah, because it's on a ragged tip. Yeah, I like that. You know, and then that was how the title of the record happened. Superb. About just before the, the, the lacquers yeah. went off to get pressed up. It's really interesting when you, when you talk about like being in the thick of, of, you know, DJing and labels and stuff like that and then just thinking, oh, I'm going to make a tune myself. Mm. And we, we had Mark Moore on, didn't oh, we? Yeah, and yeah. And, yeah. and and Mark was just sort of saying, I was just DJing and I just, you know, I just got a chance to get in a studio and, and, and then, you know, first record he made Amazing. from S Express yeah. and, yeah. you know, wow. and the rest was there. And, he, yeah, he's very much just, it was just, mate, as you was talking, I was just thinking... Very similar to like Mark's sort of journey, you know. But another like guy also who would just rock up to places and yeah. like, you know, knock on people's doors yeah. and, get, and get his get his, you know, you know, meet 
crazy other people yeah. from other bands and whatnot, wasn't it? Mm. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that was a good, that was a good era, um, and a lot of a lot of fun. Yeah, um, and that's that's why, why I had to pick something from 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 that kind of zone. I mean, I did some other really interesting bits DJing wise um, in that XL era. I mean, I did some. I played at Limelight in New York on. Um, so for this guy, Lord Mike. So you had that kind of New York club kids yeah. thing going on. So what was that? Was that around the time of? That would have been '92. So that was the club kids with the at Michael Alley and all that. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So so that would so that 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 was a, a crazy drug fueled scene uh, going on there. And then I went, you know, I DJ'd in Israel, which is also unusual in '92 because like. You didn't really have the culture of, of like British DJs traveling yeah. internationally much at that era. It was a bit early for that. That yeah. kind of came more, I reckon, sort of probably like probably mid to late nineties. Yeah. You know, so so it was unusual, but unusual for for somebody who was a DJ or a record label runner from from the UK to go somewhere like Israel. Sure. So you know, yeah, that was organised by the XLs. Um, uh, you know, label partner in Israel, and then to invite me out, and I went on like national radio and did, you know, DJed in um, a club where where that was interesting. Because going back to the gun thing, are you, you familiar with like the things where like Israeli soldiers need to sort of keep their guns with them, and even when they're like, you know, sort of like off, off duty, duty type I, thing. I wasn't aware There's of a, that. There was a thing certainly in that era. Um, so you would have, you know, there were soldiers with, you know, or with like guns kind of coming in the club and stuff. That's kind of interesting. Um, and yeah, I sort of kind of, uh, yeah, got to do a little bit of travel in that era. But I sort of picked the, the vis vision because that was just like a, a classic UK big rave kind of happening. And another one that will, you know, will always stay with me. Okay. So stuff. Mm. What's your number two then, Nick? Uh, well, well, my number, well, number four. Yeah, yeah. Oh, working downwards. Ah, okay. Right. So, uh, okay. I mean, number, that's in a second, oh, from, yeah, yeah. second <laughs> from the end. Um, yeah, my number four I've got here is is the Positiva uh, residency at Bagley's. Okay. So, so now, this, yeah. Right. Now, have you guys been to Bagley's? Mm -hmm. I've been. Well, I, I was quite young at the time. Yep. So some of my girl mates were getting into Bagley's, but mm. at, at my luck at that time, I was so young, they'd be like, sorry, mate, not tonight. Yeah. Like, damn it. You're not coming mm, in. Yeah, you're not coming in. Um, so, so this was sort of trance explosion yeah. Yeah. era. Um, and uh, it was incredible. That It was obviously, it was big warehouse space. A form of film studios, was it? Or something like that? I'm not sure what it used to be. Yeah. But it was a bit with King's Cross uh, in the sort of mid 90s was a pretty beat up mm, area, yeah. man. You still had a bit of curb crawling yeah. stuff in some of those darker streets around the King's Cross area. You didn't have much development. It was a bit of a warehousey industrial wasteland, really. Yeah. And so just before we get on yeah. to it, so just, just to follow in your path, so yeah. you've moved from Excel that's and set right. up Positiva that's Records. That's right. So that's right. Yeah, so that's right. I, I decided to 
um, to make that move, I'd been offered, um, well, I was offered, offered a sort of pretty interesting arrangement with one major label, which I didn't take. Um, and then, yeah, I got offered to, a guy called Clive Black approached me um, and said, look, you're having all this success with Excel. I don't know what you're doing. I, don't, I wouldn't really be able to say what genre your this stuff is, because I don't know all that stuff. And I don't want to kind of suggest that you, I don't want you to do a rave label or do a house label or whatever. I just want you to do something, kind of whatever you want to do, really. Um, and I'd, I'd like you to have to have some hits because we're EMI, we're one of the biggest major labels yeah. in the UK. And, um, you know, and the, the standard joke is, is that what's the difference between EMI and the Titanic? Well, at least the Titanic had a good dance act mm. or a good <laughs> dance band or whatever. Um, he, he was like, we've got nothing, mate. So come in, you know, hire people, we'll, we'll fund it, sign what, what you need to make video, just do whatever you need to do, make something happen. And, um, you know, and just come and do your thing, man, if, if I can tempt you to do that. And I was, you know, and I, I was, uh, yeah, tempted to, to do that. And then, yeah, 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 thought I would grasp that opportunity. So, yes, I started set up Positiva. First year was all right, but not, you know, nothing really blew up in the first year of Positiva. And then second year of Positiva, um, we had I Like to Move It by Real to Real. That really put the, put us on the map yeah. as a label, which I, which nobody else wanted to sign. So I've got Dave Lambert, um, who uh, I was working with at the time, he was the one saying to me, Nick, there's really something in, in this I Like to Move It record. I think we should sign it. What um, was people's reluctance to? I, I think that, that most of the, well, all of the other labels probably had the same kind of uh, initial um, reservations that I did. So, for example, it didn't really fit into any genre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was yeah, too, you know, it, it, it was kind of, it had that riff, which was kind of too unlimited mm -hmm. but it was a sort of housey record, but it wasn't a normal house record because it was a sort of like, slightly sort of with an unusual rhythm track that was more kind of, Latin, Caribbean, yeah. Afro, whatever. So that was a bit weird. Then you had the gruff rag of vocal, yeah. which to a lot of people thought that that's not going to happen at daytime radio. A record with a gruff ragger thing, that's going to be hard work. So it was a bit of a mishmash of a record. It sounded like a hit though, didn't it? Well, it, yeah. I mean, it can't have sounded like that much of a hit to that many people though, or else they'd have had some more offers. Yeah. We were the only people that offered. Oh, there weren't no bidding more on it? No, we were the only... Strictly Rhythm had, had an offer from Positiva or... It doesn't get licensed, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it had been it had been on sale for a, for probably a good couple of months coming into the UK on import. So, but sometimes people do miss a lot of people miss records, you know. And um, what have you missed? Uh, Aphex Twin. That's oh, a good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so I remember. I, you, you, I mean, this is a good opportunity. You could tell the story, obviously, now, Nick, but. Mm. It's a good opportunity because I did hear this story on Trailblazers, so right. we can also talk about Trailblazers yeah, once you've, you've told the story yeah, of yeah, this well, anyway. Yeah, the Apex Twin one was... I mean, look, you can... Um, you know, um, you, you, you can't sign everything. You just can't. And 
you know, no more. If you're a football manager, you can't sign all the best players. Yeah, yeah. there's always going to be some really great yeah. players playing of for course. other teams, right? It's just the way it is. And so, passing on stuff that goes on to be definitive or successful, in my opinion, is not. It's not like, oh God, you know, okay, mm. could, uh, that's a really bad thing. How can mm. I've missed that? Whatever. It's just what you have to be accepting of if you're in the yeah. if yeah. you're in the game. And if your plate's full and you're doing good things anyway, it's just yeah. going to happen. Isn't yeah, it? it is. And and at least I would actually rather. Oh, well, at least I knew about Apex Twin. He sent me a he sent me a demo cassette. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, you know some really uh, early bits on it, um, and I guess it just didn't grab me, or I thought it was too left field for my taste, or we were too busy with other stuff. And That's a just fair assumption that, that yeah. he's left field. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah. 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 and uh, yeah, exactly. And and it just didn't, you know, it just didn't really resonate. So I was mm. like, okay, well, you know, not not for me. Mm. Um, and yeah, but and that's fine. I'm really yeah. fine with it. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I suppose that's right. We try, you know. Um, let's sort of think. What else? I mean, I Orbital came to see me before they were Orbital. They oh. were called something like <laughs> DNS Building Contractors or something. <laughs> and that was actually their name of their of them as as an artist. I mean, I'm not saying that they came to see me to sort of plaster your ceiling. Plaster my, my ceiling. Um, Although I have had some visits from from people who who to do work around the office, you don't remember Tick and Tock, do yeah, you? Oh, tick and Tock, like these kind of robot robotic yeah. dancers. Mm-hmm. One of them put some shelves up actually in my office uh, some years ago. Yeah, so he's like a <laughs> like a handyman. And Brilliant. Just right, and then left his demo on the side. No, 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 no. Just did 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 the shelving work, and he was like, "Oh, I see, you got some gold discs on the wall. You sort of." Music industry, I yeah yeah yeah. He's like, and he, and he was yeah. I did a did a bit of entertainment industry uh, stuff right, myself. Right, right. Yeah, what did you do? Yeah, I don't know. You probably wouldn't have heard of you know, Ticket. I'm like, mate, you did all that, <laughs> that robot robot shit, didn't you? He's like, yeah yeah. Um, so yeah, so those that's right. So so that I suppose Aphex, the Orbital. Uh, I mean, and then you know, and then when I was running Positiva. You know, we tried to sign Robert Miles' children, uh, but that went to deconstruction because Robert wanted to be on the same label as Sasha, who is kind of his, his DJ mm-hmm. hero, and yeah. he kind of wanted to follow that kind of route. So, yeah, you know, um, but, yeah, well, it's cool. at this point, before we get to your number one... Yeah, um, or my number five. Your um, number depending five. Depending on <laughs> from what direction you're looking, yeah. at the, you're looking at the list. This is them organisational skills you was talking about about being a manager wasn't it <laughs> I'm all over the place and you're That's getting very right. regimented with it um, what I was going to say was that, that story that you told um, about uh, passing on Aphex Twin yes I can't remember for sure but mm. I think it might have been on so I want to talk about Trailblazers yeah yeah now. yeah and I, and I think it was I think it was the Mike Pickering episode. Well, I, I must correct you. I think it was that it would have been the Renard. Renard, it was. It was. Yeah, it because was. of course he did. He signed. Yeah. Apex. And, yeah. Uh, so that's right. So so it was when Renard was on, and I actually brought in the demo cassette. You, you might remember to the yeah, yeah. to the recording of that thing. So that was that was a cool episode. The one with Renard. The the, the whole series blew me away. Oh, thanks, um, man. And, and I, I, you know, I've, it's the first time I've met you, but obviously yes. I've met Eddie many times, and so mm. I was, you know, mm. quick to send him a message just saying that I absolutely love it. And, and when when he mentioned it to us, we were like, "Wow, that's pretty yeah. impressive that what and you guys can do." And when you, because 
I've got to be honest, there's a few guests that I just thought I'm not going to like that. And who, they, who, who, which ones? Right, well, like, first of all, I want to say that Daniel Miller, I couldn't wait to hear because I love him. Like, yeah. I, I was a mute obsessive and, okay. and a, being so, an Essex boy. Yeah, you, you knew know. that that was interesting. Which and were the ones where you were like, yeah, I'm not sure this is for me? Never liked the M people. So I oh, thought, right. You thought, and like, I thought, what's he going to have to say for himself? Fuck me, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> He's done everything, right? <laughs> Isn't he? What an amazing story. I was literally telling everyone, I was going like, this dude. Everything he was saying, I was like, Mate, and like, I just thought he was the fella from the MP. And that was, you didn't know about <laughs> the well, Happy Monday. I knew he was involved in, in, in Hacienda and stuff okay, like that. But you degree. didn't know the depth no. of stuff. No, 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 I didn't know he signed Kasabian. I didn't know he signed yeah, Ting Tings. Like, Calvin. And, and just Calvin Harris. Yeah. yeah. Like, there was so much stuff. I was thinking, Jesus Christ. Like, uh, and, and finding out about Heather Small on Black, uh, Black Box Record. Right on yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely. Completely spun. Well, wipe. that's great to hear, and I'm really pleased that one of the ones that you that you were thinking, yeah, this isn't for me. Yeah. For that to be like what one of the ones that, that it was you, my favourite. Well, that's I think that's great the, the great thing about a podcast. Once you get into it, you you sort of like go. You might be drawn because of a certain name at first, yeah. but then you sort of like start having a little roam around, don't you? Or you just yes. like listening to the guests because once you've got, you've got a, rela- a good relationship with Eddie, so once you're into that, then also it becomes yeah. not that important. Yeah, that's the thing. So you, you have no expectation and then and you're like, like, Jesus Christ. Well, as, as we sometimes say, you know, like some of the, you know, the guests, we, it's not necessarily the case that both of us have gone, yes, we must do it. Yeah. Sometimes we, it might be Eddie going, hey, yeah. I think we should yeah. interview this person. I'll go, really I'm not really too yeah. you know it doesn't really mean sure. so much to me yeah, yeah. but that's another nice thing about the discovery of it so you know why not bring it so like Eddie doesn't know much about trance music didn't hadn't had much of an involvement so Paul we did Paul Van Dyke and, and Eddie got to learn a lot more about that kind of thing yeah. and then when we had Mal from Cabaret Voltaire I didn't really know yeah, much about yeah. Cabaret Voltaire but you're Eddie really deep knowledge yeah. of it so I was like learning like oh right yeah. okay and and no it's it's great man and um, Zinc was an amazing one oh you one. like the Zinc one I yeah. love Zinc like, I've, I've yeah. been trying to get Ben on here for a while because he, he, he's got a, he's he, buddies he, of buddies yeah, isn't he's he? my yeah. mate's studio all the time and, yeah. uh, and, and him or Sarah like yeah, you know yeah, either yeah. have got great stories yeah mm. so and, yeah absolutely uh, so, so you know, we, um, you know, everybody's got a story though, and 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 sometimes it's just the case of, um, y- y- sort of just providing the right environment for those stories to come out, and um, and yeah, obviously when you hit, we've hit a bit of a momentum with with Trailblazers now, so so once you get some big names on board, it does make it easier to get some other. You know, big names, yeah. I guess. You're not short of big names on that. No, point. no, for no, sure. no, no. It's so, just for the for the yeah. listeners' benefit, who, who's on who's on series two? Uh, yes. So we started off with uh, the pens out and the papers out <laughs> again, as I as I <laughs> provide clarity and answer to your question. Um, yet, basically, series two so far has been Paul Oakenfold, uh, David Rodigan, um, Mal from Cabaret Voltaire, Paul Van Dyke. And Tom Middleton. I mean, that's, that's average at best, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Oakenfold to Rodigan. There you go. That's yeah. You know what I mean. Have you heard the Rodigan one? I haven't yet. Oh, it's it's brilliant, man. I watched the documentary yes. uh, the other night. Did you see that? I did. That's also brilliant. Honestly, yeah. he's got some. He's got some hilarious he's, he's stories. A there's man. so there's there's the, he talks about like 
getting uh, re really high in Jamaica when he was supposed to be doing an interview with Burning Spear, and he's in he's explaining <laughs> how he's in fits of giggles. He can't string any questions together, and he's like giggling and sort of creasing <laughs> up, and and in, and it's just so hilarious to hear him uh, hear him talking about that. And that was that's a that's a very good one. Of course, Oakenfold one also very good. Mm. He's somebody who's just got a relentless energy, and again. You know, has put himself into interesting positions. Absolutely. And, and you know, kind of... Transcended a lot of scenes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and funnily enough, we discovered a, a couple of um, uh, sort of similarities that I didn't realise, but he, he sort of blagged in New York as a... As sort of did a journalist New York blag, I think either a, probably a year or two years before me. So he was getting into clubs in New York <laughs> for free wow. yeah. because he was like, oh, you know, we're... Reviewing we, it. We yeah, reviewed it for, for whatever magazine <laughs> or something, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, wow, man, we did the same... We pulled the same trick. Yeah. So that's quite funny. So, yeah, so we're... Um, yeah, we, we have more more guests to come. Um, and You do it through Deezer, right? Well, we, we, Deezer are uh, uh, our partners in, in Series 1 and Series 2. Um, but, of course, it's available on uh, the Apple podcast thing and through all of the, all of the, most of the traditional podcast providers. Um, and, yes, the, you know, I mean, I think we'd whether or, we started doing it um, under our own steam. So Deezer came along after we'd recorded mm. multiple episodes ourselves. Um, because I think our view was either we'll just let this go out ourselves or if we can find somebody to partner up with, great. But if we can't, we'll just put it out under yeah. our own steam. Um, and, yeah, I mean, what Eddie and I would like to do is we'd like it to turn into a real archive you know like we, we take the view wouldn't it be great if there was 30 or 40 yeah. or 50 episodes so that anybody who kind of thinks dance and electronic music hmm, yeah. i'd be interested to know th how how the the stories intertwine yeah. and what have you and they can just go like yeah you know like whoa they're all there. Yeah. So obviously, there's a whole bunch of people that we that we need to get on. We've got yeah. some good ones that have said they will, but pinning them down, being in the yeah. right country at the right time. Who would you like? Well, we definitely want to do Carl Cox, who's who's up for being on it, but spends very little time on the ground in the UK yep. these days. Um, Scream, we want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, that'd be great. Yeah, uh, we um, we want to do. Gosh, there's a, there's yeah, there's a there's there's a lot. I won't give you the entire wish list, <laughs> but um, and for me, the well, the the two ultimate ones actually for me personally would be Nile Rogers and Quincy Jones. If you want to Gosh, talk yeah, real proper, yeah, yeah. legendary I figures, just watch the yeah. Quincy Jones documentary. It's as well. amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Have you seen it? Have you seen the, the Quincy no. Doco? You've got to watch it, man. It's, it's like anybody who is involved in music yeah. has got to see that, yeah. right? Because it's it's mind blower. Yeah. And so I mean, and whether whether we'll um, yeah whether and whether we'll, we'll ever get uh, Quincy or Nile, who knows? But um, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, you know, we, there's plenty more to be done. I'm infamously known for not listening to podcasts. Like I've recorded. 
You've recorded about million. 200, but you, you don't listen <laughs> to podcasts, do you? I what, don't, what, what, but having listening to this now, I'm like, oh, God. I mean, because I love the music. I love the yeah. DJs, the producers you're talking about, Nick, yeah. and I'm like, oh, my God. And I've your mates got to. Eddie as well. Yeah. And now you've just met the other co-host. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, look, I'm going to have to, well, Nick. I'm one of the problems to, is that we only have, all of us only have 24 hours yeah. a day. Exactly. Yeah. And we've got other stuff to do, yeah. you know. We've got, all got various responsibilities and there is not an unlimited pool. I mean, I could really do with, with every day being at least sort of 36 to 41 yeah. hours long yeah. just to f- get it all. It's hard enough, you know. I mean, I work really hard, um, but still there's not enough hours in the day. Yeah. Um, and that's it. And, and But so something's got to give. So there's a lot of, I mean, uh, for me, where I, I, I mean, there's loads of film that I don't get to see mm-hmm. and all of the, and loads of, you know, Netflix things where there's all lots of people culturally. Just, they're like, they're like, yeah. oh, have you done Ozark? Yeah. You've done. Yeah, yeah. This, it's a commitment, right? Yeah. There's oh, so much yeah, there. I people haven't like, got, haven't got exactly. the twelve hours to, exactly. to give to it. You have a, a yeah. massive list, and then you get anxious because you're like, shit, I've got to get. It's like admin now. Yeah. Like, I've got to watch all this culturally like so, amazing so, stuff. So again, I I choose to be accepting of the fact yeah. that maybe I'll maybe I'll be having dinner with people, and and, and there might be three people going like. <laughs> you know, they're going like, you yeah, haven't, sure. yeah. you yeah. haven't watched those. I can't believe it. Yeah. You know, I thought everybody'd watch. I'll be like, no, I'm, I've watched two episodes of Breaking Bad. Yeah. That's me. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I even, I kind of what I did a couple of Christmases ago, I was aware that there was all of these cultural phenomena that I'd missed, and it was like in the Christmas holidays, like around that time when nothing much happens, 27, 28, 29. I was just watching one episode of, like, these big things, just to, like, Downton Abbey or whatever, just like, right, okay, okay, watch one episode, I kind of get it now, got it, next. Just so that I'm not completely (laughs) missing out on these enormous cultural phenomena. But you cannot do everything. As a music manager, you can't manage every act. As a record label, you can't Mm. sign everything. If you're running clubs, you can't, you know, it's hard enough to do something good in London, and you might think, oh, I really want to do events in around the rest of the UK, but oh my God, endlessly we have to just make compromises and try and do some things mm, yeah. really well mm. and be accepting that there'll be other things that we can't, that we don't do well. Yeah. Well, I think we've gone over the hour mark. Oh, so that's fine. Right. That's fine. I've got one more. But I didn't so even. I did. I even really talk. We didn't about go into Bagley's. Bagley's. Let's go into Bagley's Let's a go bit. Go to Bagley's, and then we do do on it. So yeah, positive at Bagley's trance explosion. This was a point where, you know, th- these records by Tiesto and Ferry Corsten and these kind of guys were were really just exploding and super club stuff happening, gate crasher, cream, tremendous wave of excitement there in the, in the sort of mid to late 90s. And uh, we, were, we were there once a month at, at Bagley's for a But Bagley's wasn't a super club in no. my mind. that you, when, when you see you it, know, it, footage it, of them other super clubs, yes. it, it was a bit more grimy, right? It was a bit more grimy. It was, it was, and it was the one, it was a super club, really, but it didn't, it never got the same profile as yeah. all the, but it, in terms of like thousands of people yeah. every week, mm. you know, vibing to this sort of music, it was great. So, so basically, yeah, they had some great nights there where, where just you could, you know, just you play For an Angel by Paul Van Dyke and, you know, and, and various sort of records and it would just, it was just a, it was the epicenter of, of energy and buzz and excitement because um, that was the music that was 
popping off and at the time. And just again, yeah, I just knew we, we had something really good and really vibey going on right there. Um, and it was the, I ran, you know, I was running Positiva at the time. And so we were testing out hit future hit records there and playing them and signing them on, you know, on the Monday after oh, all, wow. all go cool. Did you hear how that one went on Saturday? Yeah, we got to do it, man. We just, you know, I mean, that was an era again where, you know, the, the, the crossover from, from underground into chart was so vibrant yeah. that, that we, in our A&R meetings at that point, you know, we'd hear records. We'd go, where do we think this is going to chart? And, you know, I'd say, I think this is like a record that's going to go in at like 13. What do you think? And somebody would go, yeah, it's like a 15-ish. And, and, and somebody would go, yeah, it could be like 12, 11 in the chart. And we'd be like, let's pass. We're not going to offer on it because we don't need a record yeah. that we all think is going to be top 15 let's just sign the ones that we think are going to be top 10 top 5 yeah. of course nowadays at most record labels if you know if somebody said this if everybody was saying I think this is going to go in at number you know 12 most people would let's sign it because because yeah. it's so hard to get have a have a record charting in that, in that yeah. sort of zone but in that era you know we were just like boom 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 I mean, we were just like had top tens almost every month or two months. That we had another record hammering into the top ten. It wasn't long after that. I don't know. Once you got into the 2000s, that I started dialing out of the charts and stuff. Right. But back then, it was just so exciting. Yeah. And, you know, to watch fun. these acts come on and, and stuff like that, like on top of the pops, it was brilliant. Yeah. Being like 10, 12, 13, yeah. getting my first stereo yes. and, and just think, yeah, going crazy. I think with the minds of sort of things like top of the pops as well, could, like went towards the charts not really well both you know i think the two happened at the same time you know yep. the, the, you know the, the, the internet has changed everything yeah, yeah. it really has you know and and so the 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 sort of appointment to view stuff like top of the pops used to give everybody something to talk about on Friday morning break at school because yeah. everybody had watched Top of, of the Pops. You'd seen, you know, the, you know, whoever, Jeffrey Daniel from Shalimar do his yeah. moonwalky <laughs> thing and everybody in Britain was just yeah. trying to yeah. do that thing because... Nick's yeah. trying to do that thing right yeah, now I as was, well. Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'll stand up. Check, check this out. Check this out. Come on. <laughs> Still yeah, got nice. it, mate. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. Uh, <laughs> I wish the floor wasn't as slippy as I'd like that. Uh -huh. um, uh, yeah, so, and, and of course, yeah, it's just changed, you know. So now people are spread out and, you know, there's so much, so many things that you can be watching or doing or... And, of course, it's changed club culture, hasn't it? You know, the, like, dating culture, Tinder yep. and the impact of Tinder or Grindr. We felt, we felt it in certain on, nights. On, yeah, on, on, on straight clubbing, on gay clubbing. Yep. It's a, that's an enormous change. The percentages of, of, of kids... That, that gym culture has become bigger than club culture in, in places. I think the yes. percentage of, of kids that no longer drink yes. and, and a, a kind of very, very sort of straight edge and clean living... Yeah. Like, it's high. And it is we, high. We went to a mate's uh, younger uh, sister's part. Going back to when we were about, I don't know, 30, we were all going out on a night out, and uh, my mate said, my sister's having her birthday. And this house was notorious for, because he, he lived in the sticks, it was a big house. Mm. We had all our best house parties there, and we were like, look, before we go out, shall we go and see what the youngsters are getting up to? Because it'd just be funny. And Because it was carnage, those house parties for us. And we got there, everyone was calm and sober. Yes. <laughs> and we were like, wow, oh, what's how going disappointing, on yeah. you know. So. And, and that obviously has contributed to, you know, there's the, the, 
the sort of contraction of venues, there's less places to go, and and you know, and if there is less places to go, people aren't going out as much, and it all spirals. So it's you know, big big changes. However, my final one on my list, my my fifth or first or whichever, yeah. <laughs> wherever you look at it, I haven't ranked these in order by no, the way. Yeah. It's a chronological yeah, order rather than like preference. Funnily enough, we say everything about this and about like lack of the changes and whatever. Um, myself, uh, my best friend Andy Smith and a guy called Chrissy Kybosh, we run a monthly club night at the Bussy Building in Peckham right now. It's called Reach Up, Reach Up Disco Wonderland to give it. It's a great, it's, it's a great venue as well, that. And that is is on my list as 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 one of my favourite, you know, and personal for me, definitive for me, clubbing experiences. I fucking love it. <laughs> it is so good. This place. So it's it, we we're residents at a night called South London Soul Train. Right, so uh, Snowboy's there, right? Yeah, he's yeah. there, that's right. Yep. And it's it's the bussy building in Peckham. It's four rooms. So for starters, how many venues in London do you know where where there are four rooms of music yeah. on a Saturday night? Not many. Not de- not decent rooms of music. <laughs> I, I mean, even even if even I, I struggle to think of, of venues that have four rooms yeah. of music. Full stop. Whether decent, let alone what what happens at this South London. This Soul is what train. I don't get. This is what I don't get. Right. We, we we're pals with uh, Jan from. Brand new heavies. Yes. And he, I don't know if he still DJs there, but yeah. um, when it, a few years ago we was doing nights with him and he was at, he was there, wasn't he, doing right. that, as was the Snowboy, who's yeah. a Essex boy and a friend. Yeah. And the fact that there's young people yep. dancing to obscure soul music, yes. disco, funk, live, yeah. Fucking blew my mind. Yes. Tom Middleton it says the same thing um, This in, in his... Trailblazers episode. So and he starts off saying, "Strangely enough, I was I was at this place called the Boosey Building in, in, <laughs> in Peckham recently, and and it blew me away because in this place, Eddie, they're playing you know funk, gorgeous seven-inch you know single, and and we're all and, and Eddie's like and, and, and Tom Middleton's like, have you heard of this place? And and Eddie goes, Nick's a resident there. He's he's playing there every month, and <laughs> and we had a conversation like this." It's some, there's something really unique and special yeah. culturally going on. It reminds me of when of the Positiva at Bagley's residency, yeah. where you're there and you really feel we're all in on something yeah. fucking yeah. special here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the rest of London hasn't caught on. The rest of the country hasn't. That 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 night is one of the, got to be one of the best club nights in the UK at the moment. Maybe it is the best club night. It's like a festival inside a club because there's always a live act on the on the main room. You know, like these brass band yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. guys doing covers of Prince mm. songs. So yeah. that's kind of like a best. It's like a festival kind of thing. Yeah. You've got that in the main room. You've got Snowboy, as you mentioned, playing kind of deep funk in yeah. room two. You've got a basement, which is kind of like Northern Soul or maybe some Scar or something like that. All uh, the good shit. Yeah. All the good shit. And then our floor so is is disco, boogie, and some kind of 87 88 house where I'm able to play some of the records that I heard in Paradise Garage in 87. What like? Oh, Touch Without You, Let's Get Brutal, Nitro Deluxe. Um, you know, uh, yeah, kind of. Um, well, and, and also, I'm playing some of the records that were big in the summer of '88. So that would be Turntable Orchestra, Gonna Miss Me, Phase yeah. Two, Reaching. 
um, night writers, let the music use you. Yep. So I, I can play in, in, in my, my London club residency some of the records that really, um, you know, had a big impact on me previously. But not, where, not, where, not playing any of the rave bits from 92 <laughs> and also not boshing out the trance. But, but, but where, where can you do that in London now where you can indulge people with some of the greatest music that you've played over your career, the, the songs that resonate with you, and you can play that out to a, a crowd of young people yes. that are chomping at the bit Because there's, there's that, That's those the dream. Definitely. Right there. There's those states of a DJ. I don't know if you've ever looked at that as like, it's this, this four different states you can be as a DJ. You can be playing music. Smashed out of your face, one. <laughs> mildly, mildly <laughs> merry. <laughs> it's like uh, playing music you don't like to a crowd that doesn't want to hear it. That's the worst oh, state you can ever yeah. be. You can be playing music you like that the crowd doesn't want to hear. Yes. You can be playing music you don't like but the crowd loves and the best state is when you're playing music you love and the crowd loves it and when yes. you've got that no wonder that's on your, on going, your list going mate. back to the to the, the pen and paper thing i think there's there's some venn diagrams <laughs> that you can do overlapping circles of 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 one wonderful stuff so you will go on a night out and here's one of the circles mm. great music yeah. all right so that's good now what about if you're if you're in the company of of great friends Okay, yeah, well, that's yeah, another yeah. one. Now, and you know, and how about if you're actually getting to choose the music so you really do make sure you hear the right things at the right time? Oh, well, that's another mm-hmm. one. And then maybe I- even if there, there can, by some miracle, be an economic advantage <laughs> that yeah. you're actually yeah. getting paid. Think how all of those circles can overlap. Yeah. And that's us right there yeah. in the middle. I mean... You need to stick that bit of paper on your wall. <laughs> I will. <laughs> it's, kind of what, it's kind of what you aim for yeah. in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is to have is those and those moments where one feels alive. Yeah. Actually, it's where the Venn diagrams all overlap, and ne- you find yourself yeah. in that point. Going. Never does earning money feel that good. I remember the first club night I put on, and I went home, and I think I emptied three hundred quid onto my bed, and I was looking at that, and I thought I had the best night, and this three hundred quid on my mattress. Yeah, now. yeah, it was un- unbelievable. It is. Feeling. I mean, of course, as a promoter, you have the bad nights too. Of course. Like, yeah, oh yeah. my God, worked all so hard yeah. for so many weeks. And now, it, and it's cost yeah. 650 yeah. quid. Yeah. Like, this is mental, you know. Yeah. And, and it wasn't a good night anyway, because it yeah. just was quiet and, oh, you know. We've all been there. Yeah, oh, we've all been there. But and, it and makes the good ones that much better, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, you know, I, there is something, you guys are always welcome to set this up anytime you want to come down to our reach up at the Bussy building. We love it. it and, great. And, and, you know, and we, we, we've got a bunch of other stuff that's going on around it. There's a new compilation album next year. We had a compilation on BBE this year. Last summer we did Best of All, Eastern Electrics, uh, Blue Dot, Kendall Calling, Festival Number Six and one other. So we had this explosion of festival stuff, which was great, um, and, and gave me, you know, like, obviously we touched on some of my DJing bits and pieces, but for this summer, like, the, the, probably the biggest crowd of those was at Blue Dot, where we play, me and Andy played back-to-back um, straight after Uncle live. Oh, so what? Ronnie size earlier on in the evening, then Uncle live, and then me and Andy... That's a mind blower. Yeah, yeah, you know, well. best mates. Yeah. And remember, we started off as kids, as like twelve-year-olds, with like a couple. Keeping of, it under your hat. With, with a cut, <laughs> yeah, that, and with a couple of, with a high five from my house and a high five from his house. No mixer, going out doing yeah. like you know parties where we both had a had a high five each. That's brilliant. That's and brilliant. Then, you know, f- and yeah. So I've had it. You know, it's been a 
a tremendous year for, for, for the reach up thing and hopefully next year will be will be fun too. And that's why that one qualifies in gets into my top five as well. Fantastic. Um Nick, in regards to reach up, yes. is it the, uh, a certain weekend each month? Is it the first weekend or the last weekend? Or Yeah, it, it tends to be, um, if you go on Facebook, our Facebook is reach yep. up, boogie down, okay. and, and check that out. Yeah, and it is. It's, it's, we, we're all usually around that kind of 8th, 9th, 10th yep. of the month. Cool. Um, well, well, we'll link it up. We'll, we'll yeah. Yeah. Let me put this out next. This yeah. will be coming out next Monday, so yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll tag the club in it. Oh, that'd and, be lovely, uh, yeah. And, obviously and, we have, and we have a radio show as well, which is on Soho Radio. So we oh, do amazing. That do that once a month um so we've got them yeah so we're always at bussy once a month at least um and we uh, this is going to go live on what sort of date this will be next monday next monday okay so that is about the is that going to be like the 17th 17th yeah. i believe yeah Amazing. So we're uh, we're back at Bussy on the 22nd of December. Perfect. So that's a nice little run up to that. So um, yeah, yeah. So you know, hopefully anybody who's listening, you know, fan, who thinks this this might be of interest, come down and and uh, you know, we'd be love love to give you a welcome and. And you can watch Nick and his mate with his two uh, two nineteen eighties <laughs> high fives. <laughs> yeah, no, we've we've moved moved on a little bit since then, but but it, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So and this has been a beautiful thing. Oh, it yeah, has. Well, thank, thank you so no, much, well, Nick. Thank you, thank you for inviting me along. I've I've it's been lovely to to talk about all this stuff and uh, to um, to kind of reminisce about all of these things that I've I've enjoyed so much, and hopefully there'll be. Uh, I hope if you, if you're still doing this in five or ten years' time, I'm hopefully by then. I'll have a few more to, a few more to, to add put on, on, to me, on me to scribble down on my pad with me bit of pen. Nick, that, that would be a pleasure. All right. Yeah, all right yeah. Hopefully, we'll try and do that. Should we do it again at <laughs> some point? Love Thanks ever so much. Thanks, chaps. Uh, yeah, there we go, folks. Nick Hawks, XL Records, Positiva, Liam Howlett's manager, Virtuoso. <laughs> I've got to start this again, Stu. Sorry. One more. Last time. There we have it, Nick Hawks, everyone. I don't know if you could tell that me and she were enjoying that interview a lot. I think it was one where the sort of musical exploration that Nick had done over his life was something that both me and she found really interesting. Me especially from the, the dance music perspective. Yeah, I can't believe that we got to have that chat with Nick and uh, I, that could have gone on for another two, three hours, but obviously time is a premium. So Nick, uh, you're a legend. Thank you so much for coming on. It was really enjoyable chatting to you. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys all enjoyed that. Until next week, we'll catch you later. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 